Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Robots in Disguise podcast. Uh, today we'll be discussing the adventures of uh, Optimus Prime and the Car Brothers as they uh, they fight uh, <laughs> Megatron and his uh, Predacons. Is that right? Yeah, um, uh, this is the no. This is the oh. one with the uh, the the comic book that's not as good as More Than Meets the Eye. Oh right, right. Oh no! Oh no! I've I've woefully ill prepared. I got the wrong memo. I watched all of the stuff on Netflix for Siege. Oh no! <laughs> nothing but robots on Cybertron wiggling their abs. Nothing, nothing but robots on Cybertron doing this voice the whole time. Nothing but misery on Cybertron. I I still hold by my uh, my theory that them not using vehicle modes very much wasn't so much a budgetary thing as because uh, driving seems like a lot of fun, and they couldn't have the characters seem like they were having fun. <laughs> oh yeah, I lied. I haven't actually seen any of Siege yet. I'm just going on happy memories of the War for Cybertron games, where driving was one of the most fun things in that game. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I will not spoil it for you, and I will also not do the thing I I did to a bunch of my. I won't do the thing I did to a bunch of my coworkers after I saw Infinity War, where I said I was making up spoilers and actually telling them spoilers. I mean, I know one of the biggest spoilers involves a cape. That sounds yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> yes. The cape is pretty great. Yeah, we are basically uh, going to be uh, talking about, not I would say probably the actual polar opposite of Siege would be Rescue Bots, uh, but this is at least like a degree closer towards the middle, but still way on the other end of... Mood and tone from Siege. It's colorful. Let's just say if uh, set on Earth. Let's say Rescue Bots is Spider-Man. This series is uh, like the maybe the Scarlet Spider, and then Siege is Venom. <laughs> yes. Siege. Oh, is... I would have gone through a different comic, but I, w- I would have gone like uh, Rescue Bots is Spider-Man. This is is the '90s X-Men, and um. I guess Siege is, well, I would say HBO Spawn, but that was actually good. Uh, Siege is that one comic series where Spider-Man, uh, an aged Spider-Man kills Mary Jane uh, via radioactive <laughs> bodily fluids. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yes, it is. I don't know. I feel like that at that point we're getting closer to that uh, that really horrible prose novel that they put out uh, that that talked oh, about right. how Those Spike was banging Carly and Bumblebee's backseat. Oh wait, what? I th- <laughs> oh, the live action ones. I think we're talking about the ones that actually were set pre-war. What, what were they? Oh, the, the escalation? No, no, no. Those were the comics. Oh, no. uh, I know the ones you're talking. They're sort of in like actually, they're in continuity with this. Believe it or not. Uh, oh, I thought like, they were in continuity with the War for Cybertron games. Yeah, this is the War for Cybertron games are in continuity with this. But the, technically, this it sounds very. What different. I'm talking about <laughs> was in continuity with the IDW or not the IDW, the Dreamwave comics. Right. So. Uh, the the Keepers oh. trilogy. Those. Yes. Nobody read those. I read them all. 
at the time, and that was when I was working at a used bookstore, and I would describe them to to other people there as being the worst thing of any kind I have ever read, and that includes an embarrassingly long run of Punisher 2099. (laughs) I have read better menus. (laughs) Nobody wants to. Ah. But no, I think one one of those books is Exodus, the, the, the more recent ones. One of them is Exodus. The others all have names that are like Exodus. Maybe one is Exile. Yeah, those are the ones that have that, like, pirate lion guy who I right, bought the toy of for They no were really reason. trying to make that guy a thing. Yeah. And he was not a thing. I, I feel like Aaron was really into wanting to make that guy a thing. I think... I think he was supposed to be a thing in like one of the MMOs that never came out or yes, like only maybe came the... out in China or yes. something. Mm-hmm. Like they were going to be a third faction, but those never really happened. So yes, that wolf guy, he got a toy at least. It's kind of a cool mm-hmm. toy. I don't, I don't remember his damn name, but he's the cool. The point is we are still firmly in the aligned timeline. Yes. So this is in Kanu's Rescue Bots, which we were talking about earlier, and will eventually cross over with it. It is in continuity with Prime. Yes. Uh, and immediately crosses over it with it by virtue of having Bumblebee. That's right. So this is this is the first episode, pilot, part one. We're okay, not even I'm, trying to I'm going to have to bring back the uh, episode title critique oh, and, yeah, is... and say that uh-huh. this is not, no, no, bad. Bad writers. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, this is maybe... I I can't really blame the writers on it. Like, at some point, somebody should have given it a title of some kind. Even if even if they just called it Robots in Disguise Episode 1 and next episode, Episode 2. But it's just pilot? Yep. That's Pilot is something you don't actually air. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's in reference to uh, Fix It, because he's the pilot. Oh, of the ship. That's some galaxy brain thinking. There, good job. But oh. but they don't rip him in two parts. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, anyway, see, the, the... I, I apologize. You were about to tell us who is responsible for for this episode <laughs> title. Yes, oh, yeah. uh, this is written by Adam Beechin, who is like the uh, like the showrunner or whatever, and who's mm-hmm. done a uh, a lot of a uh, lot of other cartoons. Uh, just look at, and uh, also written a bunch of comics for DC. Ah, okay. oh, that's why I vaguely uh, wrote a bunch of their uh, Batman Beyond comics. Okay, uh, okay, maybe then that's not why. And it looks like also a bunch of Robin and Teen Titans, and so uh, so he should be good at dealing with uh, Will Friedel and Carrie Payton's voices. After every uh, recording session, he was all, "Will, get out of there now!" <laughs> Oh, he wrote for Jackie Chan Adventures. Maybe that's why I remember. Yes, a lot of, actually, a whole bunch of uh, Scooby-Doo, Mystery Incorporated, uh, Batman, The Brave and the Bold. So did he just do, like, cartoon tie-in kind of stuff? Uh, No, no, he uh, actually wrote, like, regular, like, Robin comics. And Ah. the Batman Beyond comics were not, like, a tie-in. They were, like, a, like, a, just a Batman of the future that kind of used i think or at least it was like a sequel to the comic or to the cartoon sort of there was one batman beyond comic series that was a sort of a sequel to the series i think that was him i think 
There might have been a second one that was unrelated. Which uh, Robin? Oh God, I can't. I'm going to say. <laughs> Boy, I don't even know who's who is Robin these days. Is it Tim Drake? I'm pretty well, sure Damien is right still now, Dam- solidly oh, mate, Robin. Oh, Tim Drake yeah. for a while was going by Red Robin. Oh right, and actually, you know what his alias is now? Oh no! Oh Dr- yeah, it's something stupid. It's what Drake. Is it? Uh, uh, it's Drake Mallard. Yeah, I guess because, you know, a Robin's a bird, a Drake is a duck, a duck is a bird. Uh, I'm the Drake, everybody. No one is impressed by that name. It's a bad name, and also it really gives away your identity. Come to on. quote Jerry Seinfeld, hate the Drake. That, that would be like <laughs> just... if, that would be like if Gwenpool's comic name was Gwenpool. Or is it Gwenpool? Wait, wait. It is, but oh, no. she doesn't live in this universe, so it's not like they know who she is. Oh, no, wait, I was thinking Spider-Gwen. Why are there so many Gwens? Well, there? yes. Anyway, uh, he also wrote uh, for Totally Spies and X-Men Evolution. Oh, I, I will say in their defense wait, that uh, Tim Drake is an absolute dork. And I say this with, with all fondness. So he probably did think that name was a great idea. Yes. It's entirely in character for him to choose a really bad name. Uh, But yeah, uh, X-Men Evolution's good. I need to, that's definitely on my list of things on Disney Plus that I should give a, give a rewatch to. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course we will not mention that he also co-wrote, um, though that Titans Return series and Mm -hmm. Power of the Primes. Those. Uh, and uh, this episode was, was co-written by Dwayne Capizzi, who did a bu- who was a producer on Prime as well. Yes, that's definitely a familiar name. So this is kind of the handoff, <laughs> and we're just going to go with American air dates for this because this aired all over the world at all sorts of weird times before it actually made it to the states. But it first aired in the U.S. March fourteenth, twenty fifteen. So was this? And, and honestly, I probably should have looked this up. Wasn't this around the time that the hub was sort of not working out? And yes. They were this... like going back to calling it Discovery Kids and Hasbro yes. wasn't so aggressively doing their own stuff on it. You are correct. And this first aired on Cartoon Network, not on the hub. Yeah. Which honestly, like ever since Armada, Cartoon Network has had a, a really bad track record with putting out Transformers shows in any kind of timely manner or reasonable schedule. Did they do that with a bunch of shows, to be quite honest? (laughs) Anything that's not Teen Titans Go. Are they occasionally showing things that aren't Teen Titans Go yet? I I think they've shifted. I think that was only like two years ago that that seemed to be the the prevailing symptom. Right. I guess the thing is, where else are you going to air a cartoon these days? Right. It's like... Nickelodeon? I guess. There's Nickelodeon. Those are your choices. You got two choices. Or I guess yeah. if you're a Disney property, you go on one of the, their various channels. Yes. Or you on... go to, or you just go streaming. Yes. Like yeah. that. Which uh, is... And a lot of tie-ins are doing that. Like, uh, that, uh, you know, there's a Fast and the Furious cartoon. I think I saw I something about that. One? And it's but about, have... like, is that on, like, Vin Diesel's kid or something? It's his nephew, I think, because, of course, it's about family. <laughs> And Vin Diesel actually appears on the first episode. Ooh. 
does does he get cliff jumpered? No, they do not because it's in continuity. He does not get like murdered and brought back as a zombie Vin Diesel, which sounds terrifying. <laughs> it, it does. <laughs> It'd be pretty bad. No. You can't kill him and and, and then his chest glows red. <laughs> <laughs> I guess at this point, the other option, and it, in 2015, Netflix wasn't doing quite as much like original stuff like no. that. So, just a release well, straight to sometimes original in quotes. Mm-hmm. So, a release straight to Netflix, like they're doing with the uh, like they did with Siege, mm-hmm. uh, wasn't as much of an option. So yeah, they kind of just had to rely on Cartoon Network to occasionally bother putting an episode on the air. <laughs> So as we open, Cybertron is at peace. Uh, Optimus Prime's sacrifice has brought life back to the planet, and uh, everything seems to be pretty chill there these days. Yeah. Um, oh, you didn't start this the way I expected you to. But it, it, I, I expected you to tell this. This is the story you're about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> I work here. I carry a badge. Because the intro that Bumblebee says really like the old intro to Drag Me. <laughs> it is a really drag that intro. Especially since, like, he's a beat cop now. Yes, A-cab, a- everybody. A-cop is Bumblebee. <laughs> I guess that would be A-kib. <laughs> oh, we gotta find humor where we can in these days. Yes. Ah. <sighs> So, uh, yeah, and Bumblebee is, it is a, it is a real training day situation. And, uh, you know, luckily Bumblebee is not making his new charge, uh, you know, do drugs or kill people, like in the movie <laughs> training day, because his new charge is strong arm. Yay! She's a lady! She's a lady! Yes. So, yes, as, as we discussed at the end of Transformers Prime, uh, Bumblebee is Will Friedel. Yes. Uh, he is talking perfectly normally all the time now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, uh, Will Friedel does a bunch of voice stuff, uh, probably most notably uh, Terry and Batman Beyond. I think he was like the sidekick on uh, Kim Possible. Oh, I didn't watch uh, Kim Possible. What? I think so. I've seen bits of it. I thought that character had a really goofy voice. I guess he has more I mean, he does multiple thought. voices. What? But I'm pretty sure that's him. But uh, and then he also he was also like a live action actor. He's um, he was a boy who met the he wasn't the boy who met world, but he was his friend or something. Yeah, he was in that. Oh, he was apparently a Lionel in that uh, new Thundercats. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, the, the new Thundercats that was kind of shuffled around and ignored and was pretty good, but could have been better. Speaking of things that. Uh, Cartoon Network can't bother giving airtime to. Nope. Yeah, that was kind of murdered. <laughs> yeah, I go. I pulled them up on IMDb, and it's like known for Transformers, Robots in Disguise, Boy Meets World, Thundercats, Batman Beyond. Yeah. Oh, apparently he was in the the 2011 Thundercats. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was the he was the yeah, new, new Lion O. Not. Oh, I thought you meant Thundercats Roar. No, which, I have no idea who's. Speaking on. of oh, forgetting I forgot things. about that. 
That wait that. Wow, I remember the lead up to that, and I think I remember the premiere, and then I haven't heard anything about that since. Oh, and apparently he's uh, he's Star Lord in the currently running Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, cartoon. that's right. Yes, I've seen a couple oh. episodes of that. So yeah, he's that that sort of character, mm-hmm. the, the the guy. Yes, and he's working with Strongarm, who I mean, for for starters, I like that she has a character design that is not stereotypically Transformers female? Yes. No, she's bulky. Yeah. Yep. She's big. She's a big old square. She's uh She's a blue brick and house. White. She's mighty mighty. Yes. Uh, but yeah, she's white and blue and she's she's great. I like her a lot. And uh she's voiced by Constance. Actually- oh, what? Thinking about it like her design does follow her character. She is a square. Yes. <laughs> That's her character. But, but she has lipstick, because you have to know she's a lady. Yes. And, like, but it's eyelashes. blue lipstick. Yes, and eyelashes. Yes. But they're not overly exaggerated eyelashes. You only sort of notice them. And the lipstick is weird because, like, the robots in the show, because they don't have a nose, their faces are so flat. Unless you're a sexy werewolf. <laughs> but, like, just the lips poking out of the flat face is a little odd. It is a little odd on some angles, uh, but I do appreciate yeah. that... You know that this is in continuity with Transformers Prime because no one has noses. That's right. This is the yeah. no nose continuity, and uh, which is a design aesthetic I like because it mm. like it differentiates them from like classic like anime robots and stuff like like your yes your G one Transformers and Gal Gygar and, and there there was robots. a point no, no, they're still robots when you would Good. see uh, people like. Before he actually showed up in the IDW stuff, you would see people drawing, like, knockout in a, quote, IDW style, and basically they just gave him a nose. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, that's Which how you know the difference. But, but, like, most of them, like, have a crest that dips down a little bit between their eyes, so it's like, it's a pseudo-nose without actually being a nose. Yeah. It's a good design aesthetic with, for the faces. And, uh, anyway. she's just kind of flat. Yeah, she is, uh, she's voiced by Constance Zimmer, who is not really known as a voice actress, but has a long TV career. She, and she does have a distinctive voice. Yeah, she's, she, uh, actually, after she showed up on here, uh, she showed up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and got to date Agent Coulson for, like, a season before uh, she died. And then got hideously, sh- uh, oh. fridged. Yes. Like, she just gets it. shot in the throat oh. by, um, uh, by Ward, because of course it's Ward. Uh, I hate Ward. The worst. So uh, she was on that show, um, Unreal. It was like about uh, a reality show. She was on Boston Legal, uh, Joan of Arcadia. Uh, she was on Entourage. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's in Bojack Horseman somewhere. She's on Bojack Horseman. And um, she is also on what I believe is the worst episode of The X-Files. Oh no! Well, that that that's a high like X Files has a good average overall, but there's some really bad episodes. Yeah, this is the one. It's the second one written by William Gibson, where they end up in a video game. Oh, oh, oh no. no! Okay, so the one with maybe not the worst episode, but the one with the worst concept for an episode. It's awesome. real bad, and I mean, she you know she's, she's fine. She's very young in it, but uh yeah. Perhaps one one leaves off the resume. Yeah, yeah. but she's good in this. Well, and uh, if you... I just saw that on IMDb in the episode title is first person shooter. Yep. 
really that's so that's embarrassing for everyone involved. Well, see, we didn't that was yeah. we didn't really know what a first person shooter was yet at the time in like I, 1998 or whatever. I realized I, that this is think, kind of like like the good. entire two pages that Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash spends explaining what collision detection is. Which is something that uh, anyone who plays MMO MMOs now is is familiar with, because whether <laughs> the game chooses to use it or not depends on whether people can like block your access to the mailbox or not. <laughs> so no, no, no. First person shooter would have started would have been common by then, because like the first Doom game came out in nineteen ninety three. Right. So by was it ninety nine? It would have. This apparently aired in two thousand. Yeah, people knew. Well, it was. I mean, people, but like, did people who were watching the X Files on like network TV know this? Yes, admittedly, but not people like my parents, even at the time. Yeah, when they were my age. Oh God, so long ago. Uh. Anyway, so they are, you know, they are patrolling Cybertron, and they are dealing with uh, one of their regular customers. Uh, by which I mean frequent felon, Sideswipe. <laughs> Yay! Yes, he's committing, a, they say, a 2-1-1, which um, in, in, on Earth means a robbery, yes. but that's not what he's doing. He's doing, like, cyber donuts uh, <laughs> in, in, the, in the sculpture yeah. garden. Which is funny, because it's actually, like, leaving little tire marks, but he's a hover car at this point. Well, it's like the ridges, like he's got hover fins mm-hmm. on the bottom of him that stick down that are kind of scratching onto the marble, well, metal equivalent of marble, just polished steel or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and he is, uh, he's voiced by Darren Chris, probably best known for being on Glee. Okay. Uh, but, like, he was, he was like one of the main guys on Glee. And apparently he played Music Meister on Supergirl. And oh. if you flash. ever want to see the voice of Sideswipe coming out of a, a truly chilling performance. He's on the second se- uh, season of that American Crime Story, uh, where he plays uh, Andrew Cunanan, the guy who killed uh, Gianni Versace. Oh, mm-hmm. he is extremely creepy in that. I think he won an Emmy for it. Huh. I was so, yeah, and very very brief side thing, but I was listening to uh, to a, a podcast called Love It or Leave It, uh, hosted by a political guy named John Lovett, who uh, was an Obama speechwriter, uh, and he's very gay. And he was say made some comment about Darren, like some like he needed to name someone really attractive, and he named Darren Chris, and I was just like sideswipe. <laughs> oh, uh, you, you're I'm saying John Lovett. To- not yes. John Lovitz. Right. Acting. Yes. <laughs> there is there is a difference. Apparently this is an ongoing thing, but uh but John Lovett is the one who is soon the the future Mr. Ronan Farrow. So Ah. And then confusingly there's also another Obama speechwriter named John Favreau. Yes. Who is not that John Favreau. Not the Iron Man John Favreau also has a podga- podcast with the same like production company. But he does not have as many aspirations to stand-up comedy. Uh, also, not engaged to Ronan Farrow. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, uh, so Strongarm is very much in awe of Bumblebee, who's, you know, the hero of the Great War. And, you know, she's so excited she gets to work with him. And also, why don't you have a better job? Yeah. <laughs> Poor Bumblebee is so put out by that. Poor and guy. believe it or not, that question gets answered much, much later. Really? Oh. Yes. Okay, I don't remember it being answered, but oh. It is a key plot point to perhaps the underarching plot of the entire show. Oh. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Sideswipe is just this turbo revan young punk. He is. Yeah. He's exactly that. And... Strongarm, who is very much by the book, if you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, she is a robot version of Amy Santiago. Which one is that? Is that, is that the one uh, that wants to protect the dog and she will kill everyone to do it? No, that is the other one. Oh. That is that is Rosa Diaz. I've never actually seen any Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, well, it's a good show. Anyway. I, I've seen GIFs of it. It looks good <laughs> in GIF form. So has literally anyone on the internet. It's true. Yeah, it, it's like Letter Kenny. I've seen more of it in GIF form than I've actually seen it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, she's very by the book, and she decides, okay, time to move in with lethal force. Yeah, that she jumps to that a little quick. Yeah, and, um, he, and he's all, no, 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 no. He is, he is just a turbo-revving young puck. He's an okay guy. Do not shoot him. She's definitely more of a, an older kid's cartoon version of, of Chase. She's got yes. a lot... She's like Chase's sister here. She's like, got like a we, lot in we've, common. We've got to hook these two up. <laughs> no, that's the world does no. not need that. The world cannot survive right. that. The world's litterers and graffiti artists cannot survive <laughs> that. In my notes, I just refer to her as Baby Magnus. Yes, she's, yeah. she's so ve- she brings up the rule book all the time in a nice hologram effect popping out of her wrist. Yes, uh, the animation in this, it's not, we could, I guess to discuss the animation, it's not exactly prime, but it, no. it's very aesthetically pleasing well, and very fluid. Very it's so much better prime than Siege. It's so colorful. <laughs> Didn't prime cost like a million dollars per episode? I think so, yes. It looks really good, but it's a little bit too good for a, a weekly TV budget of a cartoon. Yeah, I, 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 I'm perfectly happy with this. It's very colorful. I can tell who all the characters are. Yeah, I definitely sort of love hate with this, but more love than hate. And it's, it, it's very colorful. Dynamic outlines of characters and designs are good. The cell shading is a little iffy sometimes, but for the most part, it works. I appreciated this more coming off of Siege than I appreciated it coming off of Prime. <laughs> yes. I, well, I I'm liked coming the off of Rescue Bots, so... Characters didn't have their 5mm peg holes. <laughs> their torsos yeah. didn't flex weirdly yes. when they oh, that, That's the thing. Like, they didn't have wheels in their treads. And they smiled occasionally. <laughs> this, yeah, this has jokes and like guys with funny voices. People being happy about things. <laughs> Yes. Stylistically, this is like sort of like trying to do animated in 3D. It kind of works. Yeah, it's it's a lot more that sort of mood. Uh, people people actually use their vehicle modes in this. Yeah. Yes. Like I said, it looks like they're having fun doing it, and you can't have fun in Siege. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to have fun. <laughs> no. There's there's yeah. one. Okay, there's two things. Like the, the, besides the basic, just the animation of the, the robot characters, they're good. There's two opposite sides of the coin there. 
for for other things for me uh backgrounds backgrounds are all hand painted and look gorgeous oh so you have my these 3d characters they're cell animated goodness they're working so pretty with traditional hand painted backgrounds which i mean cg backgrounds we're used to from prime and, and beast wars and stuff it works kind of better but the painted backgrounds look really good and they're the color palette of the characters integrate integrates with the background well enough like they stand out mm-hmm. but they don't clash with the background too much even yes. just like apart from how it interacts with the animation, the backgrounds just made me really want to go take a just well. Once they get okay, spoilers, they're going to go Earth. to Earth. Yes. Once they yeah, get yes. to Earth, the backgrounds just really made me want to go have a picnic. Like I could yeah. smell they're the trees. Very like Pacific Northwest <laughs> or maybe New England foresty. It's really nice. They made me want to quit my job and go drive. <laughs> Oregon. Yeah. But, like, the humans. Something about how the cell shading works on the humans bugs me. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but maybe it's like, it's just, it, it doesn't feel the same when it's on their faces and hair as it does on a robot. Yeah, it doesn't work quite as well on the humans. No. But it's, I, I can, I can cope with it. I almost wish that they were hand drawn, the people. Mm. Because there are some things in these episodes, especially like, is it, is it in this episode or maybe it's the next one? I think this is the second episode. There's a bird. Yes, right? there's a bird that's like yes, hand drawn. It's a cartoon. And it's like the animator poured their heart and soul into that bird <laughs> and it looks gorgeous. <laughs> like it's only there for yeah. a couple seconds, which is probably yeah. why it's overdrawn. Yes. But it, it, it does make me wish, oh, I wish the people were drawn like that too. They, they might, yeah. they might clash with the robots that way, but. So then it could be like Energon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's, Don't you put that evil on us, Ricky Bobby. Everyone's favorite Energon. And I was just thinking about that, like, like, okay, coming into the show, I don't remember liking the show as much as a lot of people do. And then I was thinking, well, no, but it's like, oh no, I hated Energon way worse. But those rare moments when Energon would draw the robots in hand drawn instead of CG, those are really good. And the, the animation of the people characters in that show was pretty good. It, CG and hand drawn can work. Can, not always. I just liked that Energon finally got us Brad Swaley, and then I was trying to get Glenn to get him to a botcon. And then 3H didn't have the convention anymore, so I never got oh. to meet Brad Swaley. <sighs> so anyway, while this is all going on, Bumblebee starts tripping balls. Yes. Yeah. And he sees that he's, there's there's a reflecting pool there, and he sees Optimus Prime reflected mm-hmm. in it. And it's and not the statue. And as we remember from way back uh, in Transformers Prime, uh, Optimus Prime is dead. Yeah, he sacrificed himself to revitalize the planet, so he's, yeah. he's gone. Aww. He did an Optimus Primal. Yeah. Yeah. And then he he just starts pointing to this this fresco on this building, and it depicts what I guess is the uh, the solar system. Earth and, solar uh, system, I don't know why there's uh, a fresco of Earth's solar system outside of a Cybertronian museum on Cybertron, presumably in Iacon. Well, hey, if we, if we ever need to find the, the robot devil, that's where he <laughs> There's, is. I mean... Okay, you do have a point. They, that is a good reason to have the mural. I mean, yeah. at this point, Cybertron was dead up until these Autobots who went to Earth 
then came back and did a bunch of stuff. So Earth kind yeah, of is a very important I, place. Yeah, in, it's worth a meal. Yeah, it's significant. Yeah, in, in Cybertronian near history, which you have to, like, think about their history is is only as long as, like, since Prime sacrificed himself, basically. Well, recently. I think it's been about three years or so. Yeah. Oh. They've really, they've really fixed the planet up yeah, since Yeah, it then. looks very nice. That's... Or at least this part of the planet. So, yeah. They've got, like, statues and museums. Gentrified. Earth has been, like, a really huge deal in in recent Cybertronian history. So it's not entirely oh, unfair to think that it would be represented in, you know, this this architecture, mm-hmm. in this fresco. So they... So they, they, they catch Sideswipe, they cuff him, they, they almost, uh, probably almost just crushed by this toppling Optimus Prime statue. Now it's, it's important to note that Strongarm cuffs him to herself. Because yes, they're, they're the defiant ones. She, he, she doesn't just like cuff his hands behind his back, because then she could have left him behind. But no. Yes. He's coming with her wherever she goes. Mm hmm. Oh, a part in the background noise that, that just happened. Um, I discovered, uh, well, actually last night while I was watching the episodes, I apparently had a sideswipe toy I bought on sale towards the end of the, the line that I never opened. Ooh. Ooh. Mint in box. So now I have a fresh new sideswipe. Nice. He's very shiny and do his shoulders peg? What the hell? Uh, oh, I guess they sort of lightly sit where they're supposed to yeah i'll say and and i mentioned before uh in the last episode that i i have the strong arm toy they're not quite down to uh cyberverse toy quality standards but they're not as good as mainline stuff no they're they're um they're somewhere between cyberverse and animated like I don't know. I felt like the sci- I felt like the animated toys were the same quality as the the mainline toys. Well, probably yeah, because at the time that was the mainline, even though Generations was running alongside it. Uh, yeah, like mm-hmm. I, I just sort of mean like the stylization. Yeah, that carries right. over into the toy. And I I think eventually they get a better handle on the characters as time goes along. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he, he, he see, well, I haven't transformed him yet, but he seems pretty good as, well, the, the toy line for this series is hit and miss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More miss for the Decepticons. Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, notably, Strongarm cannot see this vision, and Sideswipe is all, oh, how sad, he's got brain rust. <laughs> <laughs> Poor B. His brain. So now we cut to Earth. <gasps> To a junkyard. Yay! And that is where we meet Denny Clay, uh, voiced by uh, Ted McGinley. Yes. From... Which is one of those names I, I recognize, but I never associate with who it is. And then I looked him up, it's like, oh, the guy that comes in like halfway through a TV series is run right before it gets canceled. <laughs> he, he's, he's what they call the patron saint of shark jumping. <laughs> And uh, they even make reference to that on the last episode of Brave and the Bold, where he plays uh, Ambush Bug. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, Henry Winkler plays Ambush Bug. They, the gag is that they recast him as Aquaman. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, but he was also he was also Jefferson Darcy on Married with Children. Yes, which is where I, which is where I had uh, seen him the, most because my parents liked that show. Yeah, he was on Happy Days. He was on Dynasty. He was on The Love Boat. Uh, he was in Revenge of the Nerds as the bad guy. Oh, oh yeah. Well, if you rewatch that movie, kind of everyone in that movie is a bad guy. Well, yes, except maybe Booger. <laughs> <laughs> As as I recall, the the joke of his character in Married with Children was they had this this very uh, masculine woman neighbor, and eventually she got a husband who was kind of gay. Yeah, that was uh, that was Marcy yes. Darcy. Yes, Marcy Darcy. Got her her husband who like as I I just picture him having like a pink sweater tied around his neck. Uh, she was also the the female lead in Fright Night. Yes. And that actress is indeed uh, gay. Yep. Yay! Oh, hold on. how the hell do I get the feet up there? What the fuck? That was <laughs> oh, that was what we had for representation in the nineties. We we got what we could. Yeah. So that was uh, just as as a brief aside. That was sort of the point. Like I was reading something about uh, on Seinfeld how the job of all the black characters was were, was basically to be like. What the hell is wrong with these white people? So it, it was kind of <laughs> like your main characters were disasters enough so that the like side diverse cast was just sort of there to be like, what's wrong with you guys? <laughs> uh, and anyway, this, uh, Denny Clay is a, uh, the kind of person who you would think of as a confirmed bachelor, but he was apparently married at one time and indeed has a son. Uh, Russell Clay. Yes. I mean, do we or, know that as he prefers married? to not be called Rusty. Yes, he tries to call him Rusty. It's like, um, yeah, Rusty. I don't know if they are. Maybe they're estranged. Maybe they're divorced. They have the same last name, so they were they were definitely married. The important thing here is is that I think that Denny is doing an amazing job of putting up with what a surly child Russell is being. Oh, he is, he is yeah. so surly. He is the most surly through this whole episode, and Denny's just like, I'm gonna make us breakfast. And I personally, like, I think on first watch, I just felt like he wasn't understanding, but I feel now that he was doing the thing where someone is obviously having issues that they need to deal with, so you just sort of don't bring it up and let them deal with it and just be there for them, which is a lot better parenting than... I credited him with originally. Yeah, he's a disaster dad, but he's trying to be a good yes. dad. And he's not going to be like, don't you act like that. He's just going to be like, okay, I get it. I'll be here making you breakfast whenever you whenever you come around. And, uh, and indeed, he's played by uh, child actor Stuart Allen. And uh, connecting to our previous discussion, he actually plays... Uh, Damian Wayne in all those DC cartoons. Oh, oh, wow! Everything keeps coming back to Batman. <laughs> Where I assume he's also very surly. Probably. Well, that's Damian Wayne. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, his mom is in Copenhagen for the summer. <laughs> yes. Oh, they, they mispronounce it in the show. They say Copenhagen. It's it, it's Copenhagen. I'm pretty sure it's Copenhagen. Okay. I mean, it's entirely possible that neither of them know how to pronounce it. It, it is possible. That, yes. We don't know. We don't know what she does. We don't know where she is. Hmm. Maybe she fled to Nevada to become a nurse. 
Oh, right. Yeah, that was our theory a while ago. I, I like yeah. these ongoing theories about who yes. Jack's dad is. And we are in the, uh, we are close to the mysterious city of Crown City. Uh, we don't know where it is. It's in the United States somewhere. Oh. It apparently has literally zero suburbs. Which nope. is always it's just a forest weird. and junkyards. Yes. It is a very weird setup. We see the city. There's a bridge across a rather wide river to what is barely just above a dirt road. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's, it, it goes right from city to wilderness and it's really quickly. A city, and like, this isn't just like a one Walmart city. This has like skyscrapers. Yeah, it's, it's a mid-sized city. Yeah, this is like at the very least, like, I don't know, maybe a Cincinnati. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that does have bridges. Uh, a Reston, Virginia? I don't know. No. No. I mean, maybe rest in Virginia circa, like, 1995. I say as someone who was there circa 1995, and then again, like, last October. Oh, is there not weapon storage? Where do I put the giant sword? I I can't remember how it goes. I think maybe you have to peg it on top of the car, which is hilarious. (laughs) Just driving around with the sword strapped to the top. Yeah, that, okay. Anyway, uh, anyway, Denny Clay, not only does he run a scrapyard, but he loves running a scrapyard. I feel like if, I feel like he should have a reality show. Like, he <laughs> should be on, like, American Pickers or. Oh, absolutely. He is, you know, salvage be, I don't dogs. Know, um, yeah, k- King of Scrap. Yes. Uh, Feet of Clay. Because <laughs> he's Denny Clay. And he's moved. He's very impressed with the fact that he's moved an entire diner to the uh, to the scrapyard. Which is pretty impressive. I mean, obviously oh, he's sure. doing well. I mean, presumably Enough, selling somehow. stuff to people yeah, who want to somehow. to fix it up and possibly just raw metal. Well, you know, twenty fifteen. I think metal prices were pretty high back then. If he could bear to like have anything melted down, because he loves all of his junk. Well, yeah. I mean, he. He probably also like sidelines and junk that he doesn't love and is willing to melt down. So, yeah, the yes. cars seem look like they might come and go. He seems well with the diner and and the beaver mascots. Like he seems to be into retro kitsch, yeah, kitsch, 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 kitsch. That damn it! Why can't I say that? Like fifties era, like diner restaurant stuff. Well, you can tell that because he's constantly wearing a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> yes. Oh, it should be a Megatron so he, shirt. Yeah, so he either oh, runs a scrapyard or he's a web cartoon. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only way you get away with that kind of wardrobe. Maybe also um, 90 stand-up comedian. Yes. That's that's also an option. So scrapyard uh, web cartoonist Dave Coulier. <laughs> He does have kind of a Dave Coulier energy. Yes. Like, if this was the 90s, he would definitely have been voiced by Dave Coulier. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so they're, they're talking, and then there's a giant boom. And because this is Transformers, that means it's a spaceship crashing into the Earth. <laughs> of course. And specifically, it is the prison ship Alcamore. Uh, the only surviving crew member of which appears to be Fixit. And he appears to be the only crew member. I think we later find out that maybe there were more, but I can't recall. Uh, but they, I, I think they were all minicons. Yeah. 
Oh no, yeah, is that I'm... why he's not like upset about them? Is because they're not really people? Well, he's really a person. Yeah, basically. and he's a minicon. Uh, but he's, uh, he's voiced by Mitchell Whitfield. Another kind of weird cast. He's been on a bunch of stuff. Uh, he is, uh, Donatello in that CG animated Ninja Turtles movie from 2007. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. That was pretty, that um, had a Jersey Devil in it. Uh, what I know him in mostly from is My Cousin Vinny, where he's, uh, Ralph Macchio's friend who also gets arrested. <laughs> Well, the character you completely forgets in the movie. I mean, he has some good lines. There are moments where he's frightened, where he sounds exactly like Fix It, and it's super weird. <laughs> well, I haven't seen that movie in forever, so I kind of oh, worth watching again. Great movie. Uh, well, yeah. And he's he's just in a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at the the credits. Oh, he was in Legend of Korra. I'll be getting to Legend that soon. Korra. Ooh. Uh, he was in that Korra? one CSI episode with the Dominatrixes. Dominatrices. He had a recurring bit on Friends. He's he's always turning up and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of, like, bit character actors in this show. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, and he was also in the Steve Martin Sergeant Bilko movie, a movie that I saw in the theater. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And I, and, I, and I, we later find that there are a bunch of minicons who are all, like, fix-it types, and they're all voiced by him. Ooh. <laughs> I like minicons. And I fix it is adorable. He's very cute. He doesn't have like a normal humanoid shape to him. He's got like wheels. He's shaped. He's shaped like Beast Machine's rat trap. He kind of looks like he should work for the Jetsons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a little Johnny Five thing going, but not tread yeah. so much as just like some tires. But yeah, like if you put. Like body armor that was designed in the 1950s in the bright orange over Johnny Five, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's oh. got like a face, so, no nose, of course. Oh yeah, he has a face. He's got like a normal like, face, like, but then he's got like his hands are like Mega Man forearms and yes, and, and he's got clamps. He doesn't have legs. He's clamps. just got little tires. He's adorable though. They did a really good toy of him that I should have gotten, yes. but did not. Oh, it's. Excellent. I bet it's cheap on eBay. I should look into that. It probably is. I mean, he was like a legend, so it's yeah, pretty cheap, and it, a lot of character in. Just a it, little guy. Good. Yeah, and pretty much to scale with the other ones. Yes, like with the uh, like uh, deluxe size guys. Yeah. Anyway, so we cut back to Cybertron, and Bumblebee is going into the Cybertron History Museum. Yes, which again, like. I mean, I guess there's probably lots of historical artifacts from when the world was a dead husk. And I, I like that we, we get some, like, generic Transformers in this. We get, like, this uh, this old lady at the desk. Yes. Yeah, and, and we get a few random ones. Uh, credited as Matronly Docent. Which is a title. Yeah, there we go. She's very uh, a first movie uh, Janine from Ghostbusters. <laughs> yes. Cybertron History Museum, what do you want? <laughs> she doesn't oh, actually I... look up at Bumblebee. No. Now I want to see if I can find any episodes in Japanese, because I was just looking on the wiki. And, and apparently, in, in the Japanese dub, uh, Fix-It has a Kansai dialect. Hmm. So what is that? What, like, what is the American equivalent of that? Like a southern accent? Well, usually, well, 
traditionally nowadays, I think when they, when they did, or at least maybe in the, the, like the 2000s and the 90s, like they would dub it. A lot of the studios were in Texas, and they would give Os- a Kansai, which is like uh, the Osakan dialect, Texas accents for a bunch of shows. Mm-hmm. Could get some kind of southern because it's like I get Houston accent. I think would be equivalent because like Osaka is a pretty big city, but it's also sort of rural ish accenty around okay. it. So a little rural, but not like very. Or maybe like Chicago might be a better equivalent. Mm. It's Midwestern, it's like, but still yeah. urban. Fix it just glitching out because I can't get any uh, Chicago deep dish. <laughs> it's a notable accent that is often used for comedy characters. Okay. Because I, I think like a lot of comedians come from Osaka in Japan. Okay, or sort of like how like a Brooklyn accent would be used. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I, I think some people have done that too. But I, I just remember for quite a while, any character that like had a Kansai accent, it's like they would just give them a Southern accent from like Texas area because they had a lot of Texas actors down in Texas in the recording studios, so it was easy to do. <laughs> yes, because hmm. Funimation. Yeah, mostly Funimation. So, so I mean, what I like is that Sideswipe would rather be in jail than a museum. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That is the kind of character he is. I mean, he's a very, like, hot roddy sort of character, but I like that he sideswipe because he does have that little bit of more, like, chaoticness to him. And, and a ridiculous and I, and I like haircut. that his, like, helmet sort of looks like he has a stupid haircut. Yes, yes. absolutely. I mean, it, it's the most ridiculous part of his character design, but it's probably the best part of his character design. Yes. So yeah, they they find there's a space bridge in the uh, in the museum, and their coordinates to Earth already in there. And so Optimus Prime is all, Bumblebee, you must get your ass to Earth. <laughs> yes. Still, no one can see this but Bumblebee. Yes, but Strongarm is coming along anyway because she regulations insist that she must stay with him at all times because she's his right along. She's basically like career day. And she's following her bad lieutenant. Yes. Yes. I mean, they, he does, Bumblebee does refer to both Strongarm and Sideswipe in a little bit as teenagers. So that gives you an idea of, of the dynamic here. Yes. Well, and she's specifically a cadet. Yes. yes she's which, a cadet. She's a character dynamic, but what is, what does teenager mean in Cybertronian when they live millions of years? Although, do they live millions of the years in this continuity? I mean, presumably. It's well, we know we know like Optimus Prime does because he's been around for millions of years. I, mean, I think no, presumably no, no, no. that's just an an Earth translation of well, yeah, adolescence. You know, like yeah, I'm only like you know a million years old, young adults. Goo goo gaga. I mean, they're kind of three years old because again, I guess they don't incorporate that specifically so much into the world building here like no, right i mean they may have been off world and they came here not necessarily they were built three years ago that's a good point. oh yeah but yeah they're they're or harvested or whatever we're doing on Prime. basically they're young adults yeah they're not kids but they're not mature mm-hmm. so so and it turns out that, you know, this thing is sort of encrypted, so they have to, like, hack into it. And so Strongarm is all, hey, Sideswipe, you're a criminal. Do some crimes. <laughs> She's like, you know how to get through the security, right? And he's like, no. Maybe. <laughs> it's a very good moment. 
So we cut back to Earth. Uh, there's been a news report about a, a mysterious meteor fallen in the uh, in the forest. And, uh, you know, Denny's kind of all, hey, maybe we should go look for it after I go talk to this guy about buying a complete set of uh, Billy the Breakfast Beaver sculptures. And uh, I assume this... I don't know why there would be a loon... Like, maybe these were... Like, you would have this at the store when and there was some sort of promoting some sort of beaver-themed cereal. Yeah, it seems... I mean, it's obviously supposed to be a a, a cereal mascot they made up. Uh, the idea of having little aluminum statues of him uh, does feel like a very, like, pre-supermarket, like a 50s or 60s sort of thing. I don't know if there were actually, like... I mean, there are Bob's Big Boys, but other than that, I don't know if there's, like... A specific, uh, like, serial mascots that they made at quite that scale. Mm-hmm. Also, I apologize. My cat is being a disaster right now. So any, like, random things getting knocked down and assorted other sounds are entirely his fault. Maybe he hit a cable because you were breaking up there a little bit. Yeah, you were breaking up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, uh, I think he was, sure if it was... Actually, me. give me just a second. Let me make sure. Yes, Audacity still has me. Okay. Zencaster still has me. Okay, nothing got disconnected. Good, good, good. Uh, okay. He's a bad boy. <laughs> All right, so uh, Russell definitely doesn't want to do this, so he just decides, well, I'm going to go look for the meteor rather than spend any time with my intolerable father. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we, we cut back to the crash site. Uh, fix it is, uh, you know, mayday, mayday. I have... You know, the the prison ship Alcamor has crashed and we've lost um, all of our prisoners. I very much appreciate that we get a ship name that isn't like just some pointless legacy name. So yes. good job. But is Alcamor from anything? Is that like Latin or something? I don't know what that's from precisely. I don't know. Let's check. I just thought it was that we kind of put like a thing on. Oh, apparently it is a pun on Alcatraz, which makes oh, sense. That makes sense. Okay. And, uh, specifically, the prisoners have broken out of their stasis cells. But, uh, true to this podcast, they're going to start calling those stasis pods pretty soon because yep. apparently people were spitting too much saying stasis cells during the recording. Oh, is that why? <laughs> I mean, yes. they are okay. pod shaped, so pod that's shaped, fair. Yeah. It's not like they yes. were rooms. Sort of big tube garbage can looking things, but they did eventually sell one as a stasis pod. Yay. Yes, which I did. So, I meant to get, but I never did get because I never saw it on sale. Because you also had to buy a bumblebee and a steel jaw, and I already had them. Yeah. So yes, once again, the name of this podcast is relevant. Yay! Yay! Huzzah! Let's finally come back around again. <laughs> Throw some That's confetti. Right. <laughs> yep. So they uh, bumblebee tries to make small talk with these museum guards who are also generics, which is pretty neat. Yes. Yeah. Well, they're, they're a generic body type that I think comes back as a character later. Yes. Uh, we, we also, we later see them at the Kaon Police Academy. Ah. Much, much later. Uh, back, uh, when we get, um, Lori Petty as the episode <gasps> villain. What? Okay. Yeah. Uh, tank girl herself. Oh, I'm excited. I hope she transforms into a tank. Uh, don't, don't get excited. I, uh, back in the late 90s, I had a fan character who turned into that tank. 
Her name was Melee. Pretty good. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. He can't hold his sword. Damn it, Sideswipe. <laughs> so anyway, he doesn't fool them for long. There is a uh, there's a bit of a shootout. These uh, guards are just firing uh, live weaponry inside this museum. And they blow up an Optimus Prime head. No. Yeah, that could have been something important. Yeah. Museum guys. That could have been an important artist made that. I don't know. And also, they they radio in and there's hey, it's somebody here doing a bad impersonation of Bumblebee. Because <laughs> at first they're like, like, oh hey, it's Bumblebee, and then Bumblebee starts doing you know crime, and then they're like, somebody doing a bad impersonation of Bumblebee. He's like, hey, like he is the he is the Rodney Dangerfield assigned of uh, Cybertron. <laughs> He, I mean, I guess he's getting what respect from one person, and that person is strong. Yes, <laughs> and that's probably a little too much, too much respect. Yeah, that's too much respect. This is the point where uh, Bumblebee sort of bugs out his eyes and, and straightens his tie. <laughs> oh. Anyway, so they they get this uh, this space bridge fired up, and Bumblebee's all, "Hey, listen, I'm going. You know, this is my mission, and my mission alone." And then Strongarm follows him anyway, because regulations say that uh, she's gotta follow. she has to follow him at all times. Yeah. And then she also totally forgets that she's handcuffed to Sideswipe, so he comes I as well. I think she forgot. I think yeah. she's just like, also regulations say I have to remain in control of the prisoner. Yeah, well, I think there's a line where she says, oh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I think she's being sarcastic at that point. Like, it's the one bit of her breaking rules. <laughs> <laughs> kind of while obeying the rules. Uh, Why do I have a note that says hundreds? Oh, we're getting to that points. in a sec here. Yes. Okay. Um, so, so he he does he's ordered to go back to Cybertron. He runs away instead. Yes. Uh, we cut back to Russell. He's wandering through the woods. Uh, does not notice that he is in the presence of a bunch of giant monster footprints. And then Bumblebee and Strongarm, they do find Fix-It, and he's all, oh yeah, so, uh, so you know, this is the Alcamore, it's a prison ship, we crashed, um, you know, several of our prisoners have escaped, and uh, how many is several? Oh, a couple hundred. Yeah, I think he says they still, he's still got, like, one or two. One pod. Yes. One intact Yes, he's pod. got one intact pod. So yeah, that, that couple hundred. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's also acquired a bit of a verbal tick. In the crash? Yes. It's from the crash? He, I think it's from the crash. I mean, you would think before that they might have fixed it. Cool. Yeah, I think that it, it was that he was damaged by the crash, so he kind of can't settle on the word quite right. Yes. Well, yeah, it's like, he's, like, words would start with the same letter, I think, is the tick. Or that sound alike. Or sound similar, yeah, it, it... It's a tick that, like, it isn't annoying here. It will get annoying. It'll get annoying to me halfway through the season. Is this going to be a thing where we, uh, you, you tally them up and you take a drink, or we would just all die? Oh, I think oh, we, we would, would all die. We would he die. does it like three times in this episode. He does it three or four times. It's it's a lot. It's yeah. frequent. Yes. Yeah, it, it's too frequent is the problem, and like here it's okay because like it's the beginning. It's introducing. He's he's a little frazzled. From the crash that just happened. So it's fine, but that it continues. And it's like, 
I can't remember, although I never saw every episode. I, I've only seen like half of the series. I don't remember any incident where somebody like finishes a sentence for him. They always wait for him to finish it. and Which is nice of them. Yeah, they're being polite. They're, they're not. I, yeah, you'd think with these dysfunctional jerks, you'd think <laughs> at least Sideswipe would try to finish his sentences. Look, for they may be dysfunctional, <laughs> but they're not ableist. I, 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 they respect his disability and they're going to give him the time and space that he needs to say what he needs to say. Maybe maybe I'll like it better the second time around. It didn't bother so, me in, in this episode at all. So yeah, they so he informs the situation and they head off once they detect Sigmund and fix it kind of you know, he he doesn't want them to leave it. I don't know your favorite colors yet, and you don't know mine. <laughs> it's red. Call me. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's, he's so lonely. So lonely. Oh, poor little guy. Which is why I was thinking that he was like the only one on the ship because he is a little like desperate and needy for companionship. Yeah, I, I think we eventually see a couple others, and they aren't dead. I think they've been captured by Decepticons. <gasps> oh, yeah, no. I, I thought the other ones we saw were from like another ship, like that came. There, some them. we see at one point, another time, but I believe when we get to Decepticon Island, there's some who are being controlled by the Decepticons there. Well, that's far in the future. Okay. That is far in the future. That's like four seasons from now. Three seasons. It, it, it's a while. We'll get there. Anyway, so Sideswipe, Sideswipe is actually in like a like a rock canyon, and he bumps into Russell. Each is terrified by the other. <laughs> and then they run into our first Decepticon, <laughs> and that is Underbite. <laughs> yes, which, like, when he first says his name, I thought it was like... Thunderchunk or something? <laughs> Thunderchunk. Well, it sounds like Thunder when he first shouts it, because he's got like a sort of a southernish accent. And he's shouting. And and like, oh, he's he's so over the top, he's great. He's, he's a big, I think he's supposed to be Texan. Demon dog thing. It is kind of Texan, yeah. It's a very Texan bro kind of accent. Texan bro who works out. Yes, he definitely oh, he, works oh, out. Do y'all even lift, bro? Yes, that's <laughs> dead on. That's exactly all you need to know about this character. And it's surprising because he's voiced by the most Irish of all uh, male voice actors, Liam O'Brien. That is very Irish. Oh. Is he actually Irish, though, or is he just, like, of Irish I descent? Irish-American, I assume. The most Irish female voice actress is, of course, Colleen O'Shaughnessy. <laughs> yes. Which honestly sounds made up. <laughs> Oh, the, 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 he's one of the guys from uh, Critical Role. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. Uh, but he has a an extensive... Yeah, uh, he's, he's, um, oh, he's in he, Warcraft. He's a Warcraft guy. Yes. He is what like is he? a guy with a name. Yes, yeah, it was, it down, was some, um, what, what name? What Warcraft name? I don't remember. Oh, it, it's it was, like, it, it's something shoot. like Thunderchunk or something. No. So, so an orc. <laughs> Illidan Stormrage? Oh! He's Scorponok! <laughs> what? He's the guy that's got the coloration and some of the story beats of Marvel Comics Scorponok. Okay, is he... Because the guy in charge of writing Warcraft at the time was big into the G1 comics. Yes. Okay, I, is he like an orc? I had this comp... No, he's an elf. He's an elf who became a demon hunter, so he's got big horns and giant wings. That definitely seems like a guy who would be named Illidan Stormrage. There's yeah, the, the botcon that Chris Metzen showed up at and was a guest at. Chris Metzen was like the story guy for Warcraft and World of Warcraft until fairly recently. 
Uh, and he mm. was talking like I was conversing with him after the panel, which is a thing you can say when you want to impress friends who play World of Warcraft and don't know Transformers. <laughs> uh, but he was talking about when he was doing the plot of Warcraft 3, which was the one that was a lot, uh, had a lot of Illidan stuff. Uh, he was really, uh, Re- he was doing a lot of reading uh, Simon Furman's Marvel run, mm. and and he really liked Scorponok's storyline. I was like, I didn't say uh-huh. it, but I was like, huh, is that why he's purple and green? And why he's got big wings on his back, but they're kind of weird-looking wings, like they're folded-up giant legs of a bug. <laughs> and he's like, he's he's a bad guy, but he's not really a bad guy. And yeah. So he's like a Boba Fett. Oh! Uh, no, like he's doing no. bad shit, but for a really, really good reason. Yes, I see. Like he's trying to stop worse guys. Yes, he's okay. he's basically like becoming demon empowered so he can fight demons better, like that. All right, so he's uh, so you know, sideswipe is not exactly sure how to deal with this, so he's like, "Oh, hey, I'm I'm sideswipe," and he's like, "Well, I'm, I'm underbite. Do you know who I am?" No. Well, have you ever heard of Nuon City? That's because I ate it. <laughs> That's the best thing. The best, like, thing to say. Because <laughs> I ate it. And I like that, you know, they could easily ease us into this by just giving, like, you know, generically evil Decepticon. No. Or, you know, even a guy who's based on a Generation 1 guy, but no, he's just like a crazy monster dog who eats entire cities <laughs> yeah. and loves to tell you about how yeah, much he lives. He loves to tell you so much about eating the city that the more he tells you about it, the more you wonder, you only ate like a quarter of that city. You didn't eat the whole thing. <laughs> you only ate like the corner of a building. You ate like half a suburb tops. <laughs> You've been exaggerating this for the last hundred years. <laughs> like, it was not a city... It was designated as, like, a small town. But eating metal does cause him to get, like, a power-up that's represented by a glow yeah. that he gets, so. Specifically, he is part of a... I'm not sure if this is, like, a subgroup of Cybertronians or, like, a species of Cybertronians, yeah, like in, like Insecticons, that, but they're hilariously called Chompazoids. Yeah, the, the subgroup species designation is a... Weird thing about this series, because there are a lot of animal types, but yes, Chompazoid. Yeah, that's, that is definitely like a, a thing that is unique to this particular series. Is like the different mm-hmm. kind of animal species have subtypes like that. So like Grimlock is a dinobot because that's just what they call dinosaur ones. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're Corvicons, my favorite. Uh, and so, yeah, so, like, you'll have multiple characters who are the same kind of animal, and they're, they belong to a classification like that, like, I assume, Clampdown mm. and Thermidor. I don't know if there's, yes. gets a name, yeah. but. What there does. I think they might be, like, Crustacecons or probably, something. Probably, probably. So that's sort of a neat little world-building thing. But yes, in mm. his case, he is a Chompazoid. And uh, Sideswipe also gets, like, a cool ninja mask here. (laughs) Yes, they do keep that sort of battle mask character Mm. thing. Yeah, I kind of forgot that was even a thing in this series, because I don't remember it coming up that often, or not every character does it or something. But yeah, (laughs) Underbite is, like, he's massive. Like, 
Oh, he's he, and he's just so in love with himself. Yes, he's a quadruped. He's like he stands on just four legs, taller than any yes. other character. But he can also stand up on his two legs when he wants to flex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a shame that his, the only toy he got was kind of small. Yes, we needed a bigger toy of underbite. I mean, oh he didn't goodness. need to be leader class, but a Voyager would have been nice. I was just scrolling yes. through his wiki page, and the tiny Titans figure of him is pretty adorable. Oh, it is. What is, what is the tiny Apparently he also got a Happy Meal toy, which is extremely oh. adorable. Oh, yes. That is also really cute. I only ever got the one-step changer. The one-step changer is cute, The but it's so tiny. It's gotta be big. <laughs> big! I mean, it's it's kind of a shame that he didn't come later and he could have shot out minicons like some of the guys yes. do. Mm-hmm. They should have given him a second toy. Yeah. He did hang around for a while. Anyway, uh, where mm-hmm. are we? So, yeah, so uh, Russell and uh, Sizewip are, are beaten feet out of there, or beaten hover car things. And so they uh, they run into Bumblebee and Strongarm. They all get chased back to the Alcamore site where and Fix and Russell they they hide behind that that only intact stasis cell, <laughs> and then the last member of our cast pokes his head out of it, and that is Grimlock. <gasps> Who is um, not? I mean, normally Grimlock is more of a like subdued color. I guess sometimes usually yellow or gold on his chest, but no, he is green here because this show is colorful, yeah, well, black and green. Because well, because. In a way, he's kind of filling the bulkhead role from the previous series where there was bulkheads. Well, also, yes. I think because they wanted to have all the characters to be visually... The color cord, yes. Bright. Super Sentai Power It is Rangers a little colors. Sentai. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also... Um, um, this is... What, what year did Age of Extinction come out? Was that 2014? Uh, oh, I've blocked remember. all that out. Maybe. <laughs> I think Age of Extinction was after this. Oh, no, the year before this. Year before so, this? Okay, well. obviously, Hasbro wanted some Grimlock in there. Yeah. Yes. I mean, also, because, especially if you're going to have a series that has Beast Transformers, he's a good yep. one to pull in to be your, mm-hmm. your big guy. Yeah, yes. your big guy, and to have a Beast on the good guy's side, so it's not yes. like... Beast form racism. <laughs> yes. And uh, and booyah, everybody, yes. uh, because he is Carrie Payton. Yes! Uh, definitely best known as Cyborg on uh, Teen Titans and, I believe, Teen Titans Go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they I think they carry over all the like, actors in the Teen yeah. Titans Go. And apparently he's also on Walking Dead playing somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he was, he's in quite a lot of things, but yeah. It's oh, like, he's in a ton I've of seen stuff. seen him in some ads. Most of cyber, er, cyber. Really good hair. Yeah, I mean, well, and boy, they, they, there have to be a zillion episodes of uh, that of that Teen Titans Go by now. He's, uh... <laughs> yes. A million billion episodes. <laughs> so he is gainfully employed. Yes, he is doing yeah. well. This is a little... Not quite the same as his cyborg voice, but it's pretty close to his cyborg voice. No, it's it's a little rougher than his cyborg voice, and, and like he's playing dumber, because yes. his Grimlock is yes. about as consistent as Grimlocks are. They're not the sharpest tools in the show. I mean, he's he's not doing the, the me Grimlock thing. No, he's yeah. not me Grimlock. He's just, um, 
he doesn't have the ego of G1 Grimlock, no. but he's definitely got slightly more intelligence, but not much more intelligence. Well, and he, he immediately pokes his head in and is like, hey, is somebody fighting out there? <laughs> yes. Who's fighting? I want to fight. Yes. yes, as mentioned last episode, yes, it is. Yes. Like, every character in this, like, their first lines pretty much describe their character, like, uh, uh-huh. strong arms about rules, sideswipes about jagging off. Grimlock, <laughs> what? I want to fight. I'm sorry, what sideswipe about? I'm jagging off. I don't know. I couldn't think of the right word to describe his attitude. That is not the right... Th- they de- they definitely send you on the Alchemore for that one. <laughs> I think it. I think that's fine because it's not actually. It it's implies that we're using that phrasing non literally. Yeah, are we not doing phrasing anymore? No. Oh no, I was using it right. Is it yes. jag off, not jack off? Yeah. All right. It, the G implies that you are being uh, non literal about the action. anyway he. Anyway, he basically um, steals the show. Yeah, he's, well, he, <laughs> yeah. he he tricks uh, strong. He tricks uh, Underbite into like trashing his stasis pod so he can escape and then fight him. Yes. Yeah. He just wants to fight him because, as he says, he likes picking on people his own size. And also around this point, is Strongarm sees Russell for the first time, and she's like, oh, that's what a human is, and she boops him. Yeah, she pokes him. <laughs> she's like, so oh. It's pretty cute. Uh, so, but he uh, he catches a glimpse of uh, the scrapyard, and that is a uh, that is a feast for the metal-eating Chompazoid. <laughs> so he takes off, and they realize that if he eats that uh, scrapyard, he could be Unstoppable. And that's the episode. Dun dun dun. Yes. To be continued. Oh, this is so much more fun than Siege. Oh, it is. Yeah, well, it, it's fun. Yes. People are using silly voices and they're bright colors yes. and they transform to their vehicle modes. Yes. yes. Although I, I do wonder if this is a good first. E- well, it is and it isn't a good first episode, in a way, to me. Because it's a good introduction to all the characters. It does set up things. But... For some reason, the fact that it's a two-parter bothers me. Like, it feels like it should be more self-contained as a pilot. Or it should have just been aired. Did it? Wait, did it? The first I don't two episodes know. aired they, together? Does anything ever Let's get see. a one-episode pilot, 15th, though? Anymore? Yeah, I like, know. Like, animated didn't, and Prime didn't, and... Uh, these aired on the same day. Okay, okay, so that... In the U.S. Right, so it was then. like an hour-long special event. And then never right, then. shown again, because... They'd have to get it into their yeah, schedule. I remember they did the same thing with Beast Wars. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's Beast Wars. Is, oh, Beast Wars was a two-parter. Never mind. Yes. Shit. I was just thinking, like, <laughs> I, I prefer, like, introduction, like, pilot episodes to be, like, one episode long. Normal episode. Or throwback to, like, G1. Like, have it be, like, three to five episodes long. Two episodes yeah, just and I guess the thing doesn't with, feel right. I guess the thing with Transformers is you've always got a lot of guys to introduce. Yeah. Yeah. It's a ensemble cast. You need yeah, mm-hmm. you need at least five on the good side and some bad guys. 
I think it is yes. good that they could lean a little bit on established world building so they didn't have to deal yeah. with quite as much as of the we are aliens from the planet yeah. Cybertron because they're Yeah, we're not doing this. We like listen kids, you know what a transformer is? You saw some movies, you've seen other cartoons, we're transformers. Boom. Yes. It it starts off on Cybertron. It doesn't and it doesn't yeah. start off on Cybertron with them being like everything is sad, we're leaving. So, so yeah, I think that it, it is helped a lot by having all that, you know, being able to assume that you're familiar with the world enough from having watched Prime or Rescue Bots. <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah, I, I had a good time watching this pilot, and uh, I think that now brings us to the return of David's Tokusatsu Corner. Yay! It's been a few weeks. Uh, I actually considered skipping it because, like, that the, there's like only fifty episodes in the Sentai season. But it, anyway, we're doing it. I'll just have a gap at the end when we get to more serious episodes that might be longer. But this is already a long episode, so whatever. Anyway, uh, Miron, QQ Sentai, go go five. Yellow leaves the front. Yay! It's a yellow episode. I guess my favorite character, maybe of the Rangers. He's the most entertaining usually because he doesn't get much chance to act, but his acting range seems to be more than the other guys. Because like in this episode, he gets to cry and dash his teeth and stuff. Anyway, um, feelings. Um, meanwhile, on the bad guy's side, it's been a while. Mom's there. She's stuck in a rock. She's got tentacles. She's really cranky. The eldest <laughs> brother is dead. So the next eldest brother, Kobold. Steps up, is like, now I'm in charge, and and his sister Dinas just gives him a side. It's like, really? kobold, you're the dumb is one. Is he a kobold? What? Well, like I mentioned in the previous episode, there there are kobold salamander. Um, what was Dinas was based upon something, but not Dinas is. Ah, but they're, they're mythical creature name things. Elementals. Anyway, so, so the idiot brother thinks he's in charge, and goes out in charge. And he brings uh, archery beast Dogul, who's like a mole with a bow. Also an old man. Archery beast. That seems like a bad combination, since moles and old men are famously bad at seeing, which you need to do to shoot a bow. (laughs) Yeah, well, the the thing with that is, like, he shoots arrows and destroys buildings while the rangers are distracted by a bunch of the imps, like, attacking in a different park. So the, the rangers go to the park first, but oh, the monster's somewhere else shooting buildings. So it doesn't, his aim doesn't have to be that good because he's shooting at buildings. But that's a cover. Okay, so the rangers go there. The yellow ranger stays to take care of the last few imps. The, as soon as the rangers get there, the mole monster just goes away. And the yellow ranger shoots the last imp with his machine gun and accidentally hits a child. So you have a bloody child with, like, broken suspender straps. Like, suspender straps on a small child look silly to begin with, but then when they're broken and he's covered in blood, it's a little extra silly. But it's supposed to be dramatic, and the crux of the episode is, oh shit, I shot a kid, but I kind of knew he was there because I sort of saw him, but I thought he was crouching enough, but I hit him anyway. Eh, he may not recover fully. Oh, and he paints, and his parents are mad. It's like... If he never paints again, I'll always hate you. It's like, okay, so the Yellow Ranger's tore it up about this whole thing. He doesn't want to be a ranger anymore. It's sad. But then the the Red Ranger's like, 
suck it up, dumbass. You gotta save the planet. <laughs> like, he's he's doing tough love, but he's doing it in a really aggressive way. What a jerk. It, it's like... Men don't cry, Daniel. <laughs> kinda, yeah. He, he's good at crying. Like, he can cry on camera. It, it's good emotional overacting. Which is... A, Japanese children's television is entertaining because the, the actors get to, like, throw themselves into the acting and go so far that it's great. <laughs> oh, it's fun. But, like, this feels like a problem that should be drug out over two episodes. Like, oh, I can't fight. There's a problem. And then next episode, I have to man up and return to the team. But they're doing it all in one episode to get it done. So at the end of the episode, he does go... Because his elder brother yelled at him. It's like, you're going to be on the team. Suck it up. Okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> so he does save the day at the end. by Because the actual plan of the monster wasn't just shooting bow and arrows at buildings and blowing them up. He was releasing a shit ton of tiny bugs under the ground, which were causing earthquakes. <laughs> so many insects just digging up the countryside. And he was controlling them by plucking the string on his bow. It had a rod that stuck into the ground. Mm-hmm. And he's defeated by the Yellow Ranger without transforming, just throws a yellow boomerang that cuts the bow and arrow in half. <laughs> and the day is saved. And of course they blow up the monster and he gets big and then they blow him up again. And surprise, the little boy can paint at the end and, and draws a little painting of the Power Rangers. Like, yay, thanks for saving me, although you did injure me, and I hope you're playing my medical costs. Oh, wait, no, I think we have uh, better health care in Japan, so I'm fine. <sighs> the end. The end. It, it's, I, well, a lot of the episodes now that, that were in the middle of the series are Ranger-specific. It's not a great Ranger-specific episode, but at least it's yellow, so I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. I like yellow rangers. <laughs> Alright, so I think that about does it for this week. And we will be back next week with even more Robots in Disguise action on the second half of the pilot. And uh, until then, you can find us all over the internet. We are on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and we have a Patreon. Yes, we are hosted on iaconunderground.net, where we have a Patreon set up to help with hosting and other expenses. That is at patreon.com slash iaconunderground. Uh, every month we do a special episode where we talk about some interesting thing. Uh, recently we've done GoBots, and not the ones that we did in between seasons. The other kind of GoBots. No, the other ones. Uh, <laughs> we used to do movies in the before times. Yes, back when movies came, were a thing that came out in theaters. Yeah. When theaters were a, were a thing. Yeah, theaters were a thing that existed. Uh, so we will figure out what we're doing for our next one soon, hmm. TM. Uh, but in the meantime, for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to all of our previous episodes as well. Hmm. So until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm Diddy.